Hello and happy Friday to you. Welcome to this week's podcast at The Worship Life. I'm Chrissy Hutchings from ChrissyHutchings.com and I want to thank you for tuning in. I sincerely appreciate all my listeners and those who subscribe to the podcast. Please make sure you share with your friends and family on your social media platforms. And if you haven't subscribed, you can do so at iTunes, Google Play Music, and Buzzsprout. Uh, Hopefully we'll be coming soon to Spotify. And so it'll give you a whole lot more uh, platforms to access the podcast from. I encourage you to share any posts on my social media or from the website and the podcast. Be my guest. Um, Today's topic is really the core and the crux of the worship life. And my hope is that you'll open your heart up to what we're discussing today because it could transform your life and relationship with God and how you live in the world. We're in the midst of a worship revolution in the earth. The church is singing and gathering together to encounter God in amazing ways all over the globe. And a lot of times, not just the church, but we're bringing worship into the highways and byways. We're hearing of people encountering the presence of God in ways that are bringing healing, opening blind eyes, and amazing miracles all happening during worship services, arenas, uh, and conferences. It's unprecedented in our time. Uh, But at the same time, worship's also becoming a buzzword and a place of prominence and glorification that I don't think I've seen in my lifetime. So much so that it appears that it's taking on a persona that we have to be careful not to worship worship or resign it to one type of experience. In this case, relegating worship to a song service or an encounter is a dangerous zone to live in because then what happens to worship once the service is over or you walk out of the encounter? Uh, Encounters are necessary and God uses them. Just ask Moses. But even he experienced the truth of worship that delivered an entire nation and kept him faithful to God and to God's people, even in the most trying of circumstances. I have a little nugget for you. If our worship of God does not carry us beyond a platform or arena, then we might want to question if we truly worship. In my study of worship over the last 20 years, I've found three encounters of worship from scripture that have totally revolutionized the way I walk with God. And they also keep me grounded when the sights that I see tempt to sway me to define worship by one thing or one idea. And we have to be careful not to do that, that we define worship by music and all that. And I'm not discounting those encounters at all. Hello, I'm a worship leader. I do those things. I stand on a platform every week and worship God with song and encourage those that um, are in our congregation to enter into the truths about God and allow God to minister to their lives and healing and all different kind of ways. And so I support that. I'm totally for that. What I want to talk about this week is the truth about worship. Because let me just say this, worship is not just what you see from a platform. Worship is not just what you experience in a service 
or in an arena. Let me tell you, it's way, way bigger than that. You know, it's it's a very intangible thing. It's a thing of mystery that many, many books have been written about. And I want to show you a side of worship that I discovered in scripture that really is what helped to create the foundation of my life of worship, what I see it as um, the picture of worship. And it comes from three encounters uh, in uh, the New Testament in the book of Luke that I want to go to right now. And these examples are, these aren't the only examples uh, in the word of God. But these are three that stand out to me the most and help keep me grounded. So let's go over there right now to Luke chapter 7. And this is a very, very, very famous story from the Bible. Actually, it is the story that people go to when they um, define worship. And uh, it's about the sinful woman being forgiven. And it's over in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I'm going to go ahead and read this for you. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, being Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Boy, how is that for a scandal? Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. And Jesus begins to speak. He said there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And, And he said to him, you have judged, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is an incredible story. And most of the time this story is told about worship is really the cost of of the oil that she brought and poured out upon him. But I want to propose to you that it wasn't so much the cost of the oil, but the cost of what it cost her to actually come into that room 
in front of the Pharisees, in front of those who were at that time considered the authorities on God. And this woman who was a sinner, she knew who she was, but she came in this room anyway. She recognized Jesus for who he was and she bowed herself down. She bowed her life down. It cost her really her life, her reputation, which she probably didn't have much of one anyway. And the one that she did have was lower than the lowest thing in the earth, according to this Pharisee and the things that he said. But Jesus received her offering. Jesus received her life. Jesus received her repentance. Jesus received her bowing down of who she was to acknowledge who he was, not just in that moment, but in the earth, acknowledged who he is. And this is such a profound example of worship to me that she laid down her own self. She came into that room and she kissed his feet. She wiped his feet with her hair. She took the most um, low act of service to a person back in those days, washing their feet, um, and saw it as the greatest opportunity of worship to Jesus. She lowered herself down. She went down to the very ground to kiss his feet and anoint them with fragrant oil. And Jesus said, hey, you see this woman? When I entered your house, you didn't even give me anything to drink. You didn't, you didn't give me anything. You didn't clean my feet or anything. You didn't even give me a kiss. But this woman has kissed my feet. She has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. This is a beautiful picture of worship for us, the the bowing down of our hearts and our lives to acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. And yes, that happens in a service. You're singing a song, a song that's declaring the truth about Jesus and your heart wells up and is full and filled with worship toward Jesus. But when you come out of that arena, when you come out of that encounter, What does your life look like? Does it look like this woman in every moment of your life? Does it look like this woman? Do you bow yourself down to a low place to serve God and to serve his people? Or are you full of uh, pride and arrogance and uh, haughtiness in what you know about God and what you've seen about God? You know, One of the things that I was convicted of years ago, uh, and I've been convicted of since then many, many times, is being a Pharisee. Um, There was a time in my marriage where I judged my husband very harshly uh, regarding some things. And I remember one time bowing down in my room to pray, and the Lord opened me up to Matthew and started to talk about the woes to the Pharisees, you know, and he said, this is you right now. You're being judgmental. You're being like a Pharisee. And man, I tell you what, my heart broke in that moment. And I repented before God. 
and and began to say, show me how to live a life of worship that honors and glorifies God. Amen. The next example is in Luke 18. And this is one of my favorite parables that Jesus spoke, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And this is Luke 18, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And in those days, tax collectors were like the worst sinners in the world because a lot of tax collectors were corrupt uh, and just horrible people to the Jews back then. The Pharisee stood, Jesus goes on, and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's a beautiful picture of the worship of God because this man was a sinner. He knew his, he knew his plight. He knew who he was. And he wasn't trying to put on airs with God. He wasn't trying to put on a mask and say, I'm this and I'm that. You know, I, it, it, this, this, this story really blows me away that people that were supposed to have been the ones that walked closely, the most closely with God, are the ones that didn't even know him when he showed up. And this, this sinner, this tax collector, couldn't even lift his head and all he could say is, have mercy, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. What does your worship life look like once you leave the arena? Once you leave the platform, even if you're a worship leader, what does your worship look like? Is it humble like this? Can your worship admit when you're wrong and admit your mistakes and admit when you've sinned? Can your worship even not compare yourself. I mean, you know, this, this tax collector probably, I don't know what he was thinking. The Bible doesn't say what he was thinking, but we can imagine that probably in the presence of this Pharisee, (laughs) you know, he probably felt like a worthless worm. A lot of times we, when we become Pharisees, we make people feel like that, that they're just terrible sinners and, you know, God's not going to love them. Does your worship look like the Pharisee in this picture or does it look like the tax collector? It's a really good question for us to ponder. Our next example is over in Luke 23. And I love this. Um, this is this is the picture of Jesus on the cross. He's being led uh, up to Calvary and there are two criminals that are walking with him. And I want to look at this encounter because to me, this is an amazing encounter in scripture of really a true heart of worship. And if you'll notice, 
that these three, there's a common thread running through each and every one of them. And we're going to go in Luke 23 to verse 32. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Look, that story almost brings tears to my eyes, almost makes me cry here right on the podcast, because this is a beautiful encounter of worship. This is a beautiful encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. This man hanging on a cross had nothing to offer Jesus, not anything. He was naked, maybe. It doesn't say. He was hanging on a cross naked or probably with barely any clothes on. He had no possessions. He had nothing to give Jesus. He had no gift to bring him. He didn't have a stellar life to bring him. He didn't have a sinless life to bring him. He didn't have uh, anything. He was a criminal. He, he was a thief. He came naked before the Lord Jesus, recognized Jesus for who he was, and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth today. You'll be with me in paradise. Wow. That is a beautiful picture of worship. And what I want to do in talking about this subject, the truth about worship, is shine a light in another place. Right now, the light is being shined in arenas and and encounters and different things. And those things are all awesome and well and good. But I want to shine a light in a different place. A light where we live every single day. A light where we walk every single day. If our worship doesn't carry us in moments like this, if our worship doesn't do more than just sing a song every day, then then we need to question, are we even worshiped? Are, are we even living a life of worship? And this is not to condemn us 
at all. This is to show us this beautiful picture of worship. And we're going to take a quick break real quick. But when we come back, I want to share with you a scripture out of Micah and talk a little bit about what what was worship initially and how does God say our life of worship is supposed to look like? What does God say it's supposed to look like? We'll go over that with you in just a moment and we'll be right back. With nearly 20 years experience as a worship leader, I understand that worship is more than songs. That understanding brought a revolution to my life and relationship with God that fuels all I am in life and ministry. My life's work is to declare that revolution. If you're seeking for more or to awaken your life of worship, then I want you to join me in this revolution. You know, worship is such an intangible thing and such a mystery. And though it's often resigned to music, we know in our hearts and we hope that it's so much more. And when we collide with true worship, it transforms everything. Well, if worship is this powerful and beautiful, then why are we living our lives in shame, disappointment, and striving to be worthy of God? Why are so many of us worship leaders living a life of worship off the platform that doesn't live up to what we present on the platform, oftentimes losing our own fire for God in the process? The worship life is about busting to pieces the lies we believe and tell ourselves about our experience with God, an experience that keeps us in a place of striving and performing to earn His love and acceptance instead of walking in the freedom He purchased for us through His Son. Worship that begins with God's love for us is the revolution. Love that doesn't wait for us to get it together to demonstrate itself, but love that risks it all and lays its life down for the beloved. It's this love that is the foundation of our worship. Look, my life's work has been serving God with the gift of music and writing to encourage and help people live the revolution that is the love of God. My heart is to bring hope and tools to help you live a meaningful and purposeful life of faith, to bring healing in the broken and disappointed places, and to live in the glorious freedom of the love of God, to say goodbye to striving and return to the simplicity that's in Christ, and trust that you're loved and accepted completely. Look, if this sounds like you, then the worship life is for you. The music and the message here is for you. I want to encourage you today to go to chrissyhutchings.com and sign up today to receive our monthly newsletter with resources and music. And it's all free in addition to the blogs and the music that you'll find at The Worship Life. If you sign up today, you'll receive a free four-part video teaching on worship in spirit and truth. What does it mean? I want to thank you so much for going over there today to chrissyhutchings.com and sign up today. Welcome back to the Worship Life podcast at chrissyhutchings.com. And we're talking today about the truth about worship. And we've made our way over to Micah chapter 6. And we talked before the break about understanding what worship originally was in the Old Testament when when God instituted it. And it's regarding burnt sacrifices and offering to God, burnt offerings and sacrifices. And all throughout the Old Testament, uh, these were the understanding of worship. And But the other thing that God wanted his people to understand that it wasn't just about coming and offering a sacrifice. You can come and offer all the burnt offerings you want, thousands of rams, 
But if your life is lived in injustice, if your life is lived outside of the commands of God or hearkening to the voice of God, the Lord said many times that he doesn't even hear it. It's worth nothing. And that's one of the things that I want to reiterate as we're talking about the truth about worship. You know, we talked earlier in the broadcast about the worship gatherings that are happening all over the earth in unprecedented ways. And those are amazing. And those are things that we acknowledge. But if we relegate worship to just one idea, such as music on a platform or a gathering, then we relegate it. We make it very, very small. And we also put ourselves in a position that doesn't allow for really true, sincere worship to be lived out in our lives. And that's what we're talking about today. Really, in essence, that's what we want. We want a life of true worship. We we gave you three examples from the scriptures in Luke 7, Luke 18, and Luke 23 that really showed a life of worship, hearts of worship that were humble before God. But in Micah chapter 6, verse 6 God is talking to his people and, and he says, with what, uh, or Micah says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Again, they're talking about the idea of worship, what was instituted in the Old Testament as an act of worship. And in verse seven, he goes on and says, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And he goes on and on and on. And then in verse eight, he says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Look, man, if that, if there was one statement that personified worship, that would be it. And also over in Ecclesiastes, where God says, after everything that King Solomon talked about life and the futility of life, what is the end statement of it all? And it is to love God and to keep his commands. You want to see the definition of worship? Hello, worship equal sign obedience. <laughs> worship equal sign, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. We cannot relegate our worship to a song or even to a moment or even to um, an idea. We have to understand that worship is the whole of our lives. Worship is the whole of of our lives. You know, we, we could say in verse six, we could, we could, uh, replace those words of old Testament worship with new Testament with what shall I come before the Lord with? Shall I bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with Bible study? Should I come before him with tens of thousands of prayers a day? Should I come before him, uh, you know, with, with these different ways that we call and things that we call worship. And, and yes, a Bible study is worship. Yes, prayer is worship. Yes, loving people and caring for your children is worship. Doing justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with your God is all worship. And if, if there was any takeaway that I'd want you to take away from today's broadcast, 
it would be this. It would be that you begin to search the scripture for the truth about worship. For the truth about worship. Look, I could sit here and tell you what I think is going to be going on in the earth here pretty soon. You know, I'm not a prophet or anything like that, but I have things in my heart and things that, you know, I kind of see with my heart. And again, it might just be me. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord at all, but there's going to come a day where our arenas won't be able to be filled anymore. There's going to come a day where you know, you're not going to have a guitar in your hand. You're not going to have a drum kit. There's going to come a day when, when we're going to be on our faces crying out to God for justice in the earth, for mercy in the earth. And, and these are the moments where we have to walk humbly with our God. You know, if your brother offends you, go to him, tell him his sin. And if he repents, forgive him. That's worship. Judge not by the sight of your eyes, but with wisdom, Isaiah says. That's true worship. We have to understand that our worship is the whole of our life. And that, my friends, is what the worship life is all about. You know, I spent my life in the last 20 years leading worship and directing worship ministry at a, at a church here in my city. And it's been a phenomenal experience and I've learned so much, but the prize from God that I've learned through all those years of leading worship is that worship is not what happens on that platform. It's what happens when I step off of that platform, how I live my life in relationship to other people, how I live my life in relationship to my marriage, how I live my life in relationship to God. When he speaks something to my heart, am I obedient to that? Do I obey when he speaks? Do I listen when he speaks? Do I open his word and say, speak to me, God? These are all the, the essence of worship in our lives, not just a worship idea. And that's why the worship life is called the worship life, <laughs> the heartbeat of God for all of life, not just a certain portion of it. And, and my heartbeat is to help others understand that worship is the whole of our life. Because look, let me tell you what, if I get to a place where I'm focusing in one idea for what God wants from my life without understanding the whole and the rest of it, look, I'm going to live in a deficit and I don't want that for myself and I don't want that for you. And so the message of my life is this message. <laughs> and so I want to encourage you to visit chrissyhutchings.com, the worship life. There are blogs there. There's music there that, that are going to help to communicate this message that God's put on my heart. It's a message that I can't stay quiet about. It's a message that just is permeates my whole life. And, uh, I feel compelled to share it with you. And, um, I want you to go there. I want you to check out the blogs. You know, the blogs are not just about worship or worship leading, but they're about parenting. They're about marriage. They're about relationship. Again, the worship life being the heartbeat of God for all of life in every realm 
that we live in. I hope today that the podcast has blessed you and challenged you in a way to go seek for yourself, get into the word, go study some of these places that we visited today in the Bible and, and seek for yourself, um, the life of worship that God has called us to live. And I guarantee you that it'll begin to open up your whole heart and begin to expand your vision for worship in the earth. It'll begin to expand your vision for worship in your own life and begin to really live the truth about worship in your own life. And look, that's going to transform every single area of your life. Amen. Well, I want to pray with you before we go today, before we close the podcast, because I, my heart is for you to discover a life of worship that goes beyond an idea, but is lived out in every moment of your life. So Father, we come to you right now. Thank you, God, for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is our life. Your word is our very, very sustenance. We thank you for it. And and Lord, I pray, Father, for my friend that's listening today, and I thank you for them. I thank you for their life. I thank you for their heart that desires to dig deeper into your word, that desires to seek you and understand a life of worship and what it looks like. And I thank you for them. And I ask, Father God, that you would open the eyes of their understanding, that they would know the hope that they've been called to. I pray that they would know and understand this love that is the beginning and the foundation of our worship, Lord, that you demonstrated in Jesus Christ. I ask you, Lord, uh, to open their heart of understanding to see what the worship life is all about. We give you glory. We give you honor today. and We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I want to ask you again to share the podcast, share the posts that you see on the Facebook and Twitter and all those things. Make sure that you're sharing that and getting the message out about the worship life. Also want to encourage you to go over to ChrissyHutchings.com and click on uh, joining the mailing list there because we send out uh, we send out uh, emails. We send out a monthly newsletter that has resources on it, that has videos on it, links of resources that will help you live a life of worship and a life that honors God, a life that does justly and loves mercy and walks humbly with our God. So go there, click on join the revolution, or if you scroll down, it just says join the mailing list. And uh, either one of those places will take you to the same place. And the really awesome thing right now is if you click there to join the mailing list, you'll be sent a uh, four part teaching on worship in spirit and truth. What does it look like? It's a video series that I did a couple of years ago when I was doing a worship life class at my church discipleship class. So um, really informative, really uh, amazing study on worship in spirit and truth based on John chapter four and the woman at the well. And you might say, what does the woman at the well have to do with worship? Well, you'll just have to sign up and check that out and see for yourself. So again, go over and visit ChrissyHutchings.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I pray that as you go forward today and in the days ahead, that the Lord will begin to reveal to you what the truth is about worship and what does the worship life, your worship life look like for you according to his word. Amen. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time on The Worship Life.